your seats. Good morning again and welcome to Alive Family Church. We are so glad to have each and every one of you guys joining us today, both here in person and also if you are joining us online. We're so glad to have you guys with us this morning as well. Uh, man, we are in our summer series and uh, we've kind of taken the whole summer to kind of walk through different values, different cultural values we have here as Alive, at Alive, of who we are and what, what the expression of this body is about. And uh, if you've missed any of the weeks, man, we've, we've covered a lot of ground. Week one, we talked about how the Bible is our truth. Amen? And uh, we've been on this Bible reading plan for those of you guys that have been joining us. Uh, we've been reading one chapter in the New Testament each day. Uh, we still have three weeks left of that. We just uh, got done with Colossians yesterday. Today was First uh, Thessalonians. And so we're kind of working through that to read 25% of the New Testament together as a church family. We've also been encouraging, hey, if we're going to honor the word, if the word of God is our truth, we can bring Bibles to church. Amen. So if you brought your physical Bible, nothing against the digital, we love digital, but if you brought your physical Bible, wave it high, wave it proud in the air, how many of you guys know that the Word of God will bring color and it will burst life into you when you read it, amen? And so we got some starbursts for you this morning, all right? Let the starbursts remind you of how amazing and colorful and awesome God's Word is to your life. And yes, you may eat those while I preach, all right? Holy Spirit's not grieved by that, amen? Week two was faith is our response. If we believe the word of God is our truth, then faith is our action. It's our response. It's taking God at his word and stepping out in faith and doing it. Week three was we have a culture here where we endeavor to work hard but also rest well, that we, we celebrate healthy rhythms, spirit, soul, and body for the long haul so we can run our race with endurance and finish with joy. Week four was church is alive and fun, Right? How many of you guys know that boring was the last thing that God intended for church to be? Amen? And so we allow the Holy Spirit and God's Word to reframe our vision and our perspective of what church is and how our involvement should be in it. Week 5, we talked about how generosity is our lifestyle. God so loved the world that he gave. Amen? And we are like our Father when we give and pay it forward for others. And then last week, we talked about how there's gold in you. Amen? God has given you different gifts, different graces, right, to serve him and to make an eternal impact. And so today we're going to continue on this journey. We've got a couple more weeks of this and then we're wrapped up, but we've covered a lot of ground. Today we're going to dive into another cultural value here at Alive, and it's this. We desire to be a church and have a culture that, where we see the one. Everyone turn to somebody and say, see the one. We desire to have a church culture and a church family where we're we're not intimidated by the one that maybe is a little outcast, the one that is off the path, the one that is struggling, the one that isn't so good, right? And we're going to learn more about that in Jesus' heart about that today. What we mean by this is we're intentional. We're aware of the one, the one who needs a friend, the one who maybe is visiting church for the first time, the one who is ready and open to get into community, the one that wants to take their next step with Jesus or their next step in faith. We believe that Jesus left the 99 to go after the one, amen? And we, as a church expression, we do the same, amen? That's what we're talking about when we talk about this cultural value. And so today, we're going to unpack this a little bit more and look to God's word to really help frame this kingdom culture here that we desire to see working through us, amen? So if you would, would you join me in one more word of prayer as we prepare our hearts and our minds to receive from God's word this morning? Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus, and we just thank you for your presence here. We thank you, Lord, for the word of God. We believe it is truth. 
It's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. Lord, it's, it's eternal. It's forever settled in heaven. It doesn't change. And so we can trust it. We can put our faith in it today. And Lord God, we pray that you would transplant your heart for your people, and especially the ones to us today. Holy Spirit, search us, know us, Father God, and encourage and inspire and challenge us to have this kingdom culture about going after the one. Lord, we thank you for your word that it changes us, it renews our mind, and it literally transforms us, Father, today. We love you, we praise you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. And everybody agreed, said, amen. Well, hey, if you did bring your Bibles today, I want you to turn to our two main texts today. I'm going to get you there first. We're going to talk a little bit, and then we're going to go to it. And so we are going to be looking in Matthew chapter 18, and we're going to be in Luke chapter 15. So Matthew 18, Matthew is the first of the four Gospels in the New Testament, right? So book of Matthew chapter 18, hold your finger there, hold something there. And then also Luke, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, John are the four Gospels. So the third Gospel, Luke Middle way, chapter 15, we're going to go there. So hold something there or get ready to go there. So that way when I'm ready to go there, we're right there and we're going to pick up where we, where we want to read here. But uh, before we get into the reading of our main text this morning, I, I have a question for you. Have you ever lost something of value in your life and you did whatever it took to find it? Have you ever been in a scenario where something that meant so much to you, something valuable, something precious was, was missing? And, and you went to great lengths to try to find it. I think we can all relate with this scenario in, in some way, shape, or form in our life. And I want some crowd participation this morning, all right? So if this has ever happened to you, there's no judgment, right? This is like Planet Fitness up in here. No judgment zone. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're going to get spiritually fit, all right? It's a bad joke. Sorry. I don't know. It's just, every time, it's good. All right. Where's the drummer? Come on, Alex. Come on. Um, if you've ever lost keys before. Let me see a show of hands. It could be house keys, car keys, boat keys, shed key. All right, we got a lot of key losers here, all right? No judgment. Have you ever lost a purse or a wallet before? Yep, that's me. My purse. No, I'm just kidding. It's uh, my wallet. Sorry. Man purse. Sorry. Have you ever lost a piece of jewelry before? A necklace, uh, a bracelet, a watch, a wedding band. Oh my gosh. Praise God. Yeah. (laughs) Woo. How about a really nice, expensive pair of sunglasses, right? Maybe you just got them. Yeah, you lost them, left them on the car, or something flew off. Yep, gone. How about an important document like a passport, a driver's license, a birth certificate, a social security card? Like, who are you, right? Like, you can't even prove who you are legally, right? Yeah, that's, that stinks. How about this one? Have you ever lost a cell phone before? Oh, yeah. God bless my beautiful wife. She's got both hands like praising Jesus. You all know my wife. I love her. But if I had a dollar for every time during the week, she asked me, have you seen my phone? I'd be a very rich man. One time we were looking all over the house for her phone, which happens often, right? And the kids get in on this. They think it's fun, right? It's like, oh, cool. It's like find mom's phone time, right? And it's like, like an activity during the day, right? And we're looking everywhere for her. We're checking like find my iPhone on the app and all that. And we, we knew it was in the house somewhere and it was kind of moving, but it was in the same spot. And so eventually we found it in the washing machine while the washer was still going, like the water was pouring in. And so we took that thing out. Yep. We put it in a bowl of rice. Two days later, it powered on. I'm like, yes. And then it didn't really work for junk. So praise God for insurance plans on your phone. Um, but I think we can all relate to losing something of great value to us. And there's just something on the inside of us. I think it's God given. And I think it's kingdom given. 
that we do whatever it takes to search that thing out, to, to find it, to make sure it comes back to the right place, to, to make sure it's safe, right? Now, for all the parents in the room or grandparents, have you ever misplaced a child before? Let's just be honest, right? Like, this is like, like yes, we have. Have you ever, like, not known where your kid is? And, and, and you know that feeling in the pit of your stomach, that, that panic, that, oh, shoot, uh, that, uh, the, the what-ifs, horrible what-if scenarios that kind of try to flood through you. In, in that. I think we can all relate with that. I know, I know we can. And uh, a couple of years ago, uh, we, we went to our kids' elementary, like, fall carnival. Have you ever been to one of those elementary family events before? You know what I'm talking about? Absolute chaos. They, like, convert the whole school and every room into activities. They invite the whole school out at one time, which, like, legally doesn't fit, plus their parents and their friends and their neighbors, and you're all going down hallways, and there's all these fun activities, and, and your kids want to do everything, right? They're like, let's go do this, and let's do this, and, and then they see their friends. Their friends are like, come follow me, and they just, like, run off. And you're like, okay, cool. I uh, think we're safe, right? And your kids just run off, and, and we, I remember we went to... Um, we went to the music room at their school, and it was, like, all dark. They were doing, like, some kind of neon glow thing. And so we all went in there, and we had our whole family. It was my wife and I and our three kids. We went in there, and we did. I can't even remember what we did, but when we got out, we're like, woohoo, awesome, that was cool. And we look around, and our middle child, Eli, he, he's nowhere to be found. We're like, well, where's Eli? I said, I don't know. So I went back in the dark room. I'm like, Eli, where are you at? He's not in there. Look down the hallway, Eli. I'm like, Eli's gone. Like, what, what, kind, of, what kind of crazy room was that, right? Like, went in there with three kids, came out with two, like... I want a refund. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so we're, you know, that panic that hits, that urgency. Like, like Erica's like, go find him, right? So I leave my wife and our other two kids, Ella and, and Ezra, and I'm walking around. I know I went to this elementary school. It's the elementary school I went to right down the road. And I'm walking around. It's kind of like a circle. And so I'm circling and I'm circling. But I'm not, we're not finding Eli anywhere. We're starting to kind of get a little worried because it's been a few minutes. And it's not that huge of a school. We should be able to see him. Luckily, a neighbor that knew him saw him kind of lost in the headlights, kind of a little upset, and gave him to the principal that was walking around the event, and the principal was walking with him. Now, the, because it was a circle, as I went around, the principal and Eli went around, so it was like, and every minute that goes by, you're like, oh, gosh, oh, man, like, this is really bad, right? Let's go, before we freak out and call the police, like, let's just make sure, and so finally, we stopped and went the opposite way and collided, oh, Eli, there you are, and I'm like, where were you? Hey, I, I thought you guys left, so I went looking for you, right? And so, you know, I share this story because, praise God, we did be, we were reconnected with our child, but just, uh, that'd be a horrible, like, and we never found him, right? And so, <laughs> bow your heads in prayer, right? It's like, the reason I share this is because I think we all can relate with the, the, the urgency and the fervency and the commitment level of a parent when the child is not safe or we don't know if the child's safe to make sure that that child is safe, right? And here's the deal. It wasn't that I didn't love my other two kids and my wife at all. That's not the truth, right? To leave them to go find the one that wandered off doesn't mean I have less love or I love these poor, I love them all the same, but man, I care so much about the one that was lost being reconciled and being found, amen? And in the same way, I believe that when there's something of great value that's lost for us, we can see and find the one. And be like Jesus and be like God. And, and uh, this points us to this important kingdom principle that we're going to unpack here this morning. It's this, that, that we leave the 99 for the one. We need to be willing in our life 
spiritually to leave the 99 to reach the one. And we're going to talk more about this in a second here. But as Christ followers, we're going to be challenged to do this. And, uh, you know, Jesus helps frame this perspective in, in the Gospel of Matthew that we're going to look at, chapter 18, and in and Luke, chapter 15. And, um, you know, a lot of times when Jesus was teaching, uh, just to kind of set up where we're going here, he, he used something called parables, right? Parables are short stories, little analogies, illustrations that would connect with the culture of that time to help illustrate maybe a harder spiritual truth to swallow. It would make it really clear, right? And so Jesus taught on two different occasions about leaving the 99 to go after the one. And so we want to look at the first one here um, in Matthew chapter 18. We're going to read verses 11 through 14. So if you want to go to Matthew 18, we'll pick up in verse 11. It says, For the Son of Man came to save that which was lost. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the 99 and go after the one, right? And go to the mountains and seek the one who is strained. And, and if he should find it, surely I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Even so, it is not that your will of the Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. I think a lot of us, maybe if we've been in church for a while, we've heard this, leave the 99 for the one, but let the Lord and the Holy Spirit maybe breathe some fresh breath or fresh perspective on this for us. And in order to properly interpret the word of God, you have to know the context of what's going on. And so in the context of Jesus teaching on this, this was actually in response to his disciples asking him the question, who is the greatest in the kingdom? All right, so Jesus' disciples come to him and say, which, basically, which one of us is all that in a bag of chips? Right? Who's the greatest in the kingdom of God? And Jesus goes off and he begins to teach him parables and he begins to teach him about how you must become childlike. And then he goes on a little bit before this passage and he talks about being aware of offenses and watch out for offenses for offense will come. And and then he he says, hey, you're going to have to leave the 99 like a shepherd leaves the 99 sheep and go after the one. And so Jesus is essentially teaching his followers, his closest followers, if you want to be great in my kingdom, You must have kingdom culture in you that is willing to leave the 99 and go after the one. If you want to be great, because he's answering, they asked, who's great? And he went on and taught this. And Jesus is smart, and he knows how to lead his people, amen? And so he teaches them, hey, you got to leave the 99 and go after the one. you you got to be willing to go after the one that's wandered off. you got to be willing that understand that each one matters to God. Each person on this planet matters to God. And, and if one is not in the fold, that's not okay. And that should break our heart because that breaks God's heart. Jesus teaches in the same way, but he goes over to and does this in Luke chapter 15. So if, you, if you're there, go flip on over to Luke chapter 15. I want to look at verses 1 through 7. And he, there's a different context here, but we'll read it first. Luke 15, 1 through 7. Then all the tax collectors and the sin, sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with him. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? Verse 5. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he has come home, he calls together all of his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. 
I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. So again, Jesus says, hey, we leave the 99 for the one. But who is he speaking to in this scenario? The context of this passage in this parable is the religious people. It's the Pharisees. They were all bent out of shape because sinners and unruly and ungodly people were drawing close to Jesus. They were criticizing and condemning and complaining. The scripture says they complained. Jesus, why are you letting these crazy people around you? And he says, hey, do you not get it? I love the 99 just person, but man, I am so sold out and so on mission for the one that isn't in the fold yet. All have room at my table. I died on the cross for every single person, not just holy, awesome, righteous people. I died for sinners like all of us, amen? And that gives me such a hope, but also such a challenge as I look to this, right? And it says, he says, hey, the one matters. The one matters. The one who is a sinner and not in the fold matters. The one who is needing to be brought back into right relationship matters. The, the one that doesn't know their purpose matters. The, the one that is depressed matters. The, the one that's going through addictions matters, right? The one that maybe doesn't have a very squeaky clean past and is unshamed about all their mistakes matters. Is what Jesus is trying to get our attention with. They matter. And like I mentioned in our analogy with with our son missing him at the school and then finding him, remember, leaving the 99 does not mean abandoning them. See, he's a shepherd. This culture, when they spoke, they knew the shepherd sheep analogy. That like spoke right to them because there's a bunch of shepherds in that place, right? So if the shepherd left the 99, he was eventually going to come back. It didn't mean that he loved the 99 less to, to love the one more. He loves everybody. But his heart broke so much for the one that was gone. But he said, hey, I'll be back. And he says, hey, you're going to be good because you're living for me. And guess what? I will give you my word and you can lead your life by the word. I will put my Holy Spirit within you and he will lead you and guide you. You're good for a second, but I need to go get somebody. Amen? I think sometimes we're so focused on our spiritual selfish needs and, and, and us being blessed and us that we forget that there's a bunch of people outside of the fold that are in dire need of a touch from Jesus. Amen? And they're not just going to float into church and get it. They need someone being on mission to go after them. In both of these instances of Scripture that we just read, Jesus sets the record straight that if you want to be great in the kingdom, this kingdom culture, we've got to be concerned about the one we got to be concerned about the one. And here at Alive, we desire to be a church, a body of believers that would be just like this, that, hey, yes, we love the 99, and they're so good. it's so good for the 99 to get together and to hang out and encourage one another. That's what church is all about. But church actually isn't just a service. Church starts when we leave the, the doors here today, amen? And when we begin to open up our eyes and see who God places in our path, who are the broken, who needed a word of encouragement, what can we do to see the, 90, or the one that has left the 99. And so for the remainder of our time today, I just want to camp out on two thoughts for you if you guys are taking notes. Two, two simple yet profound things that I think we can learn and take with us from these passages of Scripture. The first one is this. Number one, see the one. See the one. Turn to somebody sitting next to you and say, see the one. See the one. The first step for us to engage in this kingdom culture is to see the one. Right? Here's the deal. We have to have an awareness. We have to have sight of the one before we can ever help the one. 
We have to have the blinders taken off, our comfortable life, our, our great blessed life. We have, to, we have to see and have our hearts pricked to actually see the need around us. We have to get our head out of, out of our own stuff and lift our eyes up and say, Lord, who needs a touch from you? We have to see first, right? And how many of you guys know Jesus was so good at seeing people? He was so good at seeing people. We see this in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. Matthew 9, 36, it says, but when he, say it with me, saw. This is Jesus. When he, what? Saw. When Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Jesus saw the people that made up the multitudes. Yes, crowds came to him, but he looked beyond the, the vastness of the crowd and he looked into eyes of people, of men and women, of children that needed that living water that only he could supply. Notice he uses the same analogy of sheep with the shepherd. He says, Look at these people. They're like sheep and they have no shepherd. They have no shepherd to take care of them, they have no shepherd to leave them and go after other ones that need help. Just like in that parable we just read. You see, we have to see first before we can ever be moved with compassion. Jesus was also good at seeing the one. And and I could go on and on about this, but Jesus was really good at seeing the one and ministering to them. We're not going to go here for time's sake, but Jesus saw the one. He saw the woman at the well. And he was able to tell her everything she's ever done by the Spirit of God. And she went back and told her town, and the gospel began to spread. Jesus saw the woman who was caught in the act of adultery that was thrown before Jesus' feet, with religious leaders holding huge stones ready to take her out according to the law of Moses. And with one question, he saves a woman's life and redeems her destiny. Jesus saw the one, the woman with the issue of blood who reached out and touched the hem of his garment that she might be held. And he stopped because he was on his way for another thing I'm going to talk about. And he stopped and he turned and he looked her in the face and the eyes and he saw her and he saw her faith. And for 12 years, this woman tried everything and could not get right. But in an instant, he said, your faith make you well. Jesus saw her. You know, Jesus saw the paralyzed man and his four friends. Like literally, he was preaching. Can you imagine that right now? In the middle of my sermon, four dudes carry the friend up on the roof of the church. And they say, we got to get him in front of Jesus. Right? Jesus saw him come down in front of him and saw the faith of his friends and said, take up your mat and be well. He saw the one. And Jesus saw a father named Jairus who was in desperation for his sick daughter's life and went all the way to Jairus' house only to find that his daughter had passed away along the journey, but saw her and saw the situation and raised that little girl back up from the dead. Jesus saw the one. I could go on with story after story after story about how Jesus saw the one. Jesus' example shows us that, guys, we can't be afraid of the one. And we shouldn't ignore the one 
or expect somebody else to help the one. But we should have awareness and spiritual, uh, our antenna should be up to see the one that God places in our life because that's normally the one that we're called to influence. The one that's right in front of us, that he places there on purpose for a purpose. <laughs> you see, Jesus, Jesus rebuked the religious, religious leaders because they were all up in a hizzy about him hanging out with bad people. He said, would you stop being so spiritually blind and just see the one? See the one around you? I didn't come just for you. I came for all. And he, he really puts him in his place, right? We know this in, in Luke chapter 5, verses 31 and 32. It says, Jesus answered and said to them, those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus is saying, hey, let me remind you of who I came for. I came for the one. I came for the one that's sick. I came for the one that's broken. I came for the one that's distant from God. And you know what the crazy thing is? That was all of us at one point. If we believe in Jesus now, we were a one at one point. Amen? Aren't you glad that God didn't give up on you and just only stay with the, the couple people that were already saved? But no, he went to great lengths to make a way to the Father for every single one of us. Everybody outside these four walls of the church, Jesus sees the one. and He calls us as followers and believers in him to see the one. And so practically, man, how do we do this? Well, I just, one, I think it's just a matter of committing it to him in, in prayer and just saying, Lord, help, help me see. Lord, help us see. Help me be sensitive to the people you place in my life and not just pass them by because I'm busy or I got to do this, but Lord, why are they there and what, what's concerning about them? The other question we can ask ourselves is, who does God need me to see right now? Who does God need you to see right now? Is there a name? Is there a person? Is there a scenario at work or at home or whatever in your family? Who does God need you to see? Not just to look at, but like see. Oh my gosh, they're not doing so well. I need to do something about that, right? What can person's condition moves you to compassion? These are just questions that we can wrestle with this week and as we move on from this to create this kingdom culture of leaving the 99 to go after the one. But we must see the one. That's number one. But the second thing I want us to make sure we don't leave with before we talk about this is number two. We need to be the one. We need to be the one. Can we talk about this for a second? Not only do we need to see the one, but we are called to be the one, right? We're called to take action, be on mission, just like Jesus was on mission. Remember, God the Father sent Jesus on a rescue mission. Come on, right? Luke chapter 19, verse 10 for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus, your mission statement is to leave the comforts of heaven and go down to earth to seek and to save what is lost. It is a rescue mission. And Jesus in turn challenges us, you and I, to join him on this rescue mission. He encourages us and he challenges us in Matthew 28, right before he ascends into heaven with the Great Commission. A lot of us are familiar with it. Matthew 28, verse 19. Matthew 28, 19, Jesus says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
He says, go, be engaged, be on mission with me. Leave the 99, go after the ones that I place in your life. And, and a little analogy that always, always helps me with just staying focused in this, because we can, let's just be honest, we can drift and lose our focus on this oneness thing and going after the one, because we can get really comfortable in our church community, in our church circle, in our, in our family, in our lives, and God's blessing us, and God's moving, and we can, we can totally forget about anybody else out there. And, and, I, and I like to say this, in order for us to be the ones and to join on the rescue mission, I believe we have to have the proper perspective of the church and our role. And, and it, I want to say this, the church, which we talked about a few weeks ago, the ecclesia, the, the called out ones, right? The people, not the steeple, right? right? Must not forget the mission. It's this. The church was never intended to be a cruise ship, but a rescue boat. I'll say that again. The, cru- the church was never meant to be a cruise ship. It was meant to be a rescue boat. Let me explain that. Let's milk that analogy, right? right? We got to fight this cruise ship mentality. You ever been on a cruise before? Love cruises. You get on that boat, you're leaving port, and you're like, peace out. I could care about work, anybody else in my life. They're going to feed me. I'm going to get sun. This is going to be a great experience. I don't have to think about any details. They're going to come on every morning. Good morning, crew. Hey, do we got these activities? You just go. We're going to get off at this paradise. You can get off the boat and do whatever you stinking want. You can stay on the boat. You can get off the boat. You just, you're like, peace. And I think a lot of times our Christian experience, right, God wants us to have blessing and benefit. Don't get me wrong. And he wants us to be fortified and strong in our faith. But I think a lot of times we, we, we view the church as a cruise ship. Yay, we're on it. We're laughing. We're having a good time. We're being fed. We're doing all this. We're growing, which is part of the purpose of the church. Don't misinterpret what I'm saying. But meanwhile, we got people out in the water that are drowning. Help. Help. I don't know how to swim. Help. Help. It's deep. Help. Shark. Right? Like, help. There's stuff coming at me. And we're like, yeah. Awesome. For five days. Yeah. Right? And people are like, what the heck is wrong with these people? Because we don't see them. We can't be the one if we don't see them. Right? We got to fight this us for no more mentality. This frozen, chosen mentality. This I'm good, no one else in my hood mentality, right? We, we got we to gotta open up the, expand the horizons of what the church is, right? We can't get comfortable. Not until every drowning person has a chance. Every drowning person has a hand extended to them. And every drowning person is not just, I see you, stinks to be you in the water. No, get up here. And get up on your safety boat and let Jesus begin to change your life. Come on, somebody. It's one thing to be like, yes, yeah, thanks to be you, but I'm good. I mean, a lot of times we have that mentality. I'm good. At least I'm good. I'm going to heaven. Ah, that's a little rough, but we'll just pray for him, right? It's like, man, I think sometimes we need to engage more than that. And we need to go after them. Man, I don't know. Shoot, I'm so stirred up. Alive Family Church, come on. Our, are we ready to go on mission? Like, all right, we ain't done yet. Oh, you got a new building. Cool. You got your own building. Awesome. It's just getting started. We got a rescue boat now that, like, we know it's our boat. Like, we got the tags for it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's ours. We ain't renting it. We ain't taking We ain't stealing somebody's boat, right? Like, it's our boat. Let's not just be a cruise ship. Come on, somebody. 
But let's be like, you know what? Let's go. Throwing those little rings out, right? Those rescue rings on the string and pulling people in and say, hey, I got you. I got, oh, there's one over there. There's one over here. Man, there's one in my workplace. There's one in my neighborhood. There's one in my family going on right now. Come on. And we're saying, hey, you know what? I'm not going to sleep on this. Not on my watch. I'm going to rescue. Amen? Could we have a culture where we're so sold out for that that God can move in some pretty miraculous ways? We have an opportunity to be on mission with Jesus. And we have an opportunity to be the one that reaches somebody else, that helps somebody else, that shares the love of Christ with somebody else. I love this passage of scripture in Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. Romans 10. How then shall they call on him whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. It is not church time to sit back, relax, kick up our feet, and wait till Jesus cracks those clouds. No, no, no. It's time to be on mission. It's time to move those beautiful feet that God calls out and begin to be the one for somebody else, amen? To engage with somebody else, right? We don't have to be a pastor to do this. You don't have to be in full-time ministry. I believe every believer in Jesus is called to the ministry of reconciliation. That means when somebody is not with God and in the fold, you help bring them back to the Father who is the one that can save their soul, clean them up, and help them in life, amen? We aren't saviors. He's the Savior, amen? But we can be ambassadors for Christ. Come on somebody i'm preaching the word of god now and we can bring somebody that's here and bring them over here and let god do the rest come on we see the one and we can be the one and so hey sometimes this can be so intimidating and hypothetical just start where you're at be the one to say hi and introduce yourself to somebody be the one to send that encouraging text when god and the holy spirit prompts you be be the one to give the invite Say, you know what? You should come with me. As a matter of fact, I will pick you up. I will go out of my way. I'll wake up earlier on a Sunday morning to bring somebody here to share Christ with them. Be the one to call out the gold in somebody else that you see. You don't realize how many amazing people on the outside are struggling so much on the inside. And by you just saying, you've got gold in you, you've got purpose in you, that could be the difference maker for that person that week. Come on, somebody. Be the one to call the gold out. Be the one to pray for somebody and literally pray for them. We're so guilty. Of, oh, man, I'll pray for you. And we never pray. When I say, hey, I'll pray for you. I say, you got a minute? Let's pray right now. Right? Let's lay hands right now. Because we believe that prayer works. And if we just say we're praying, but we don't actually pray, that doesn't really produce any tremendous power available. Right? Let's be the one that shares God's love with somebody. Let's be the one to meet somebody new at church. Right? Like, as we go out, we can get real comfortable in our like, little, we talk to these people because we like these people and we hang out. Meet somebody new. Hear their story. What is God doing in their life? Could be the one thing that sparks an encouragement to help them. Go after and rescue the one that has wandered off, maybe in your family, in your friend circle, wherever that would be. Go after the lost one. Help meet a need. Shoot, we got a couple weeks here. We got serve day, right? Be the one to sign up for a serve day project, to give up just four hours in the morning of a Saturday in the summer to be the one for somebody else. What an opportunity we have 
And here's the cool thing. It's not a, it's not a have to, it's a get to as followers of Jesus. I want to just close with this story as we're ready to close here. I just, I want to illustrate this because the power of seeing the one and for somebody being the one, I don't know about you guys, but I am a direct recipient of everything I just shared this morning of somebody seeing the one and somebody being the one in my life. I would not be here. I would not be doing what I'm doing. Can I share a name with you? James Demude. James Demude. That might not mean anything to you guys. Who in the world is James Demude? You see, James Demude wins the See the One, Be the One award in my life. Let me tell you a little bit about James. He's the one that went after this cocky, prideful, didn't want anything to do with God, church, freshman basketball player on Northwood's campus. And in that freshman year, I made fun of him outside the cafeteria, and I did one of those holy stiff arms. Didn't even acknowledge his presence as he set up his little church ministry booth outside the cafeteria trying to talk to people about Christ. Didn't want anything to do with him. But I believe he saw the one. Now, he didn't know what was going to happen, but I believe he began to pray. And my girlfriend on the front row, she was praying. Other people were praying for me because I was not going in the right direction. I came home that summer between freshman, sophomore year of college, and I got saved. I put my faith and trust in Jesus. And I knew going back to campus sophomore year, if I did not connect with the faith community and get plugged in with the church, I would go back down that same dark road of temptation that I was the first year. I just knew it. I had to find somebody. I show up on campus, and one of the first days that I'm back on campus, guess who's there waiting for me? James. James. And if you know James, he, he has a big smile and squinty eyes. He ain't Asian, but he looks Asian, right? And he's like, because God's love was just so like, like radiating out of him. He was like, man, I'm so good to see you. And I shared with him what God began to do. And oh my gosh, James saw me. He saw me. And, and he invited me. He said, I want you to come to this thing on Wednesday night. It's called Church Reloaded. It's, it's a campus ministry group. We meet here on campus. Worship. We talk about God. We open up the Bible. We understand scripture together. I think you'd really love it. I got plugged in there, man. James, James Demude believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. James saw the gold and called the gold on me. And it wasn't basketball talent. It was something deeper than that. James gave me an opportunity to dip my toe in ministry. He said, I want you to lead a Bible study in the freshman dorms. I want you to speak one night at this church service. I want, he saw the call. He saw the call before I ever saw the call. And he, and he wasn't afraid to go after the one, the one that stiff-armed him, the one that made fun of him, the one that didn't want anything to do. He never gave up on the one. He never gave up on the one. And I'll tell you what, I was not perfect even once I came back. Like, man, I did some stupid stuff, but he held me accountable. Him and his wife, Sarah, they, they helped us how to show us how to have a God-honoring dating relationship and how to be pure and set up boundaries in our relationship before we got engaged. The shoot, they even helped me set up our engagement. They took us overseas on mission trips. They saw the gold in us. And 16 years ago, James married Eric and I and blessed, was the first one to bless our marriage. That's the power of seeing and being the one. Because there would be no Pastor Eric Giso if there was no Pastor James Demude. 
there would be no married Eric and Erica Giso without James and Sarah Demude. There would be no alive family church without the church reloaded and a group of people and volunteers that were unashamed to see the ones and to call out gold. My goodness. I don't know about you guys. When you've been the recipient of that, you're forever marked. You're forever marked. And doesn't it want you, make you want to do the same for somebody else? To, to, to see the one, to call out the gold, to, to disciple, to mentor, to help people along in their journey, to go after the ones that are sick and broken and hurting. Because, man, you've received God's grace and mercy, my goodness, and he wanted it for everybody. So we do something about it, amen? And so, man, I just... And I'll just be real and transparent with you. Just because I found Jesus isn't like, cool, he found Jesus and happily ever after. Just because I'm down with Jesus doesn't mean I'm perfect. and doesn't mean you'll never make a mistake again. But here's the other cool thing I'm continuing to learn, probably more so in this season of my life than ever, is that Jesus never stops pursuing the one. Even after you're in the fold, he still cares about you. He still loves you. He's still sanctifying you. He's still calling out gold in you. He's still picking you up when you mess up. He's still putting you on that solid ground. He's still believing in you even when you don't believe in yourself. He always pursues the one and he never stops. He's like, all right, we're back in now. Forget about him. Let's go. No, he knows what all these 99 are doing, but he also is aware of the one. Amen. He's the only one that can be omnipresent in all places at all times and be fully loved to every person on the planet and not be overwhelmed. I'm glad that he's God and I'm not. Amen. That we're not, praise God. He does a hell of a job. Wow, I said hell in church. Because he raised from hell to heaven. I'm just fired up. I don't know about you guys. Like, shoot. Does a great job. Really well, solid, crisp, pure, holy, sanctified job at being God. Come on now. Started thinking about Northwood and started talking like I did at Northwood. Holy cow. Jeez Louise. Thank you, Jesus. And so what do we do with all this today? I want to close this up, and I just want us to have a moment to just pray. But uh, can we continue Jesus' legacy that he started 2,000 years ago of leaving the 99 to, to see the one? Could we be intentional even this week to say, pray some bold prayers. God, who do you want me to see? Who do I need to see in this season? Who's the one that I need to take by the hand? Because we've all been in seasons where we weren't well enough to do it on our own. We needed somebody to literally pick us up on our shoulders like these parables talk and say, look who's home. But that sheep could not walk. It was, it was scared. It was off. It was petrified. And it was frozen there. So the shepherd picks him up and puts him on his shoulders and walks him back home to safety. Who do we need to pick up and throw around our back this week? Who do we need to call this week? Who do we need to text this week? Who do we need to begin to pray for fervently this week so that we can not only see the one, but be the one, amen? And I believe the Holy Spirit and God himself will help us because this is kingdom culture, amen? And I don't know about you, I want to be a church, an expression of God's church here on earth that has all the culture of the kingdom because the kingdom works, amen? And the kingdom's worth it and the kingdom's eternal, and the kingdom is the only thing we get to take with us when we leave this side of heaven. So let's build a kingdom, amen? Alive Family Church, let's be on mission like Jesus on mission. And let's not be afraid to leave the 99 
and go after the one. Would you pray with me as we ask God to help us in this area? Father, we love you so much. We just thank you for your strength and your grace in our lives. Where would we be without your love, without your mercy, without your grace, and without your forgiveness? Lord, I believe we're all recipients in some way, shape, or form of someone seeing the one and someone being the one. But Father God, let it not stop with us, but let us just be one of many stories, Lord, as we pay it forward. Lord, give us eyes to see the hurting and the broken and the downcast and those that just need a touch, a positive touch in their lives this week, Lord. We believe by the power of the Holy Spirit, you'd bring them to our remembrance. You'd put them on our heart. Lord, you'd bring them across our path that we'd have random, not random, collisions with them literally in the community, divine conversations and connections, Lord God, and that we would be able to see like you would see the need and meet the need. And Lord, help us be the one who steps out in faith, steps out in our comfort zone sometimes and shares the love of Christ, even when it's inconvenient, even when we're busy, even when we got a lot of things to do, that we're not too busy for the one that you've placed in front of us. And Lord, I believe that there is life change on the other end of our obedience. Lord, that there are generations, family trees, legacies that are in the balance and in the midst, Lord God. And so, Lord, we just speak to those right now. Help your church rise up and be the church, Lord God, this week in a mighty way and help us partner with you in this rescue mission. Make us a rescue boat not a cruise ship, Father God. Forgive us of our cruise ship ways. We repent of them. And Father God, we get in the boat now. We thank you that we're armed with the life vest of Jesus. And Lord God, we're going to send those out in every direction. And I pray that we can pull some, pull some people back in and bring them back home to you, Father. We love you. We praise you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. We pray that. We pray and amen.